0: Sure my guys and welcome back to the airwaves where you are listening to the life to the full podcast here on the airwaves we are looking at how to make the most of your time here on earth life is there to be lived and enjoyed and i am here to encourage you to craft your life as the masterpiece it is last time we looked at how to spend less how to earn more to increase the gap in the income and outgoings and I said, the gap is what you need to use to buy freedom. Today, we are taking a deeper dive into that second rule of winning the money game and taking steps toward financial health, looking how we can use money to buy freedom. Purpose of money. Let's start with the first Mind-blown statement. Our brains and lives are so used to this thing called money, the first time you hear the statement, your brain may have trouble taking it in, and it will likely take a long time to really internalize it and let it affect the way that you think. It certainly did for me. I've been thinking about this for a long time, and I'm only just getting it. Ready? Here it is. Money is made up. Money is made up. It's an invention, like the wheel, or cars, or an iPhone. It's not something that has always existed, that's a part of the natural order of life, like trees, or water, or love. It's a completely made-up system that we are so used to, we don't even realise that's what it is. It's made up for a purpose. It has a use. Money has a reason for existing. I want to take you back to the most ancient of times the days before the invention of money. Before we had money to trade with, we would just have to trade the things that we had for the things that other people had. We needed what we call a coincidence of needs. That means if I have surplus eggs and I need carrots, I needed to find someone who had enough carrots to trade with me who also needed eggs. We also needed a coincidence of amount. If I happened to need a horse to plow my field, I needed to find someone who needed a lot of what I had to offer. It meant that I needed a lot of eggs to trade for a horse. It's not easy to trade a few eggs for a bit of a horse. Back in the day before money was invented, we also needed a coincidence of location. If I had a herd of cows and I wanted to trade for some Whitstable oysters, then I would need to take my cows to Whitstable in order to make the trade. Very awkward indeed. Whitstable is a long way. Money solved all of these problems. It meant that we didn't have to find someone who needed exactly what we had. We could just give them bits of metal, and they could use those bits of metal to take to someone else to get the things that they needed. Having money meant that we didn't need to take the thing that we were trading to the place where we wanted to trade it. We could simply take our money and get the things that we wanted. It meant if I had a lot of something, I didn't have to exchange all of it. I could just exchange part of it for money and I could use the money for something else. We see here that money is a store of value, it's divisible and it's movable. But there's one thing that money also needs to be and that is accepted. It means that people have to be happy to receive money and know that they can use the money that they get in order to buy something else from someone else. The reason that you're willing to accept Payment in pounds is because you trust that you will be able to use those pounds to buy something else. If I offered you a few bits of random metal, like paper clips, doorknobs, etc., in exchange for something, then you'd almost certainly reject that offer because you don't believe that anyone else will accept those bits of metal as payment for anything. It's just an invention that we all happen to believe in because our government says it's all good. So what is the point of money then? The point of money is to store your energy for use later. So you expend your energy doing whatever it is you do, teaching, doctoring, fixing toilets, fixing roads, cleaning up rubbish, whatever it might be. You use your energy in order to get paid so that you can use that money to do something else later. If the purpose of money is to store energy for use later, that's why rule number two of the money game is use money to buy freedom. Too many of us store our energy in money for far too short a time. Many of us can't wait for payday because we've already run out of our money energy for the month. When we start to store that energy for longer, we automatically build freedom into our lives. The ultimate in buying freedom is commonly known as financial independence. The tldr this is essentially you have enough by way of investments to pay for your desired lifestyle. if this is your first time you've come across this idea, then welcome to the new way of thinking about work and money. Let me break it down for you. How can you use your money to buy investments to pay for your desired lifestyle? Well, one option is you can use your money to buy property. That property will produce an income, and therefore you've used your money to buy yourself an income. With one property, that might not be a great deal. Even with two, it's not likely to provide enough of an income for you to be comfortably, completely, financially free. If you can use that money, though, to buy five or six or seven properties, then you've just bought yourself out of the rat race. And the interesting thing, in theory, is that each of those properties will be easier to buy than the last. You'll be able to save up deposits quicker if that's the way you want to do things. You might be thinking, I can't even save up a deposit for my own house, let alone two or three properties. I'm not denying that things are tough out there. But there are things you can do, ways of doing things, things you can change that can make it possible. If you haven't listened to the previous episode about increasing your income, and decreasing your expenses, start there. Try asking yourself the question, how can I do this, rather than dismissing it as completely unrealistic. But failing that, listen to option two below. Some people don't like buying property, don't like the idea of it, they think it's too much effort or too much hassle, or it just costs too much to get started up front. So, they start building up a portfolio of dividend stocks. Now Companies like Procter & Gamble, Johnson & Johnson, McDonald's, Coca-Cola, PepsiCo, Cincinnati Financial will pay out parts of their profits to their shareholders. So, if you buy shares in these companies, every quarter or twice a year, they might pay you a little bit of money. And there's a rule of thumb which people in the financial independence community use, which is, if you can save 25 times your annual expenses, then you can live off the income in dividends or otherwise of that portfolio in perpetuity and never run out of money. So, if you want an income of £30,000 per year, you can save £750,000, then that'll be enough to pay for all of your expenses just from dividends of your stock portfolio. You might be thinking, I'll never be able to save £750,000, that's ridiculous. And that's one of the reasons that people don't bother. But using your money to buy freedom doesn't have to be that extreme. Even a small amount of money can start to buy freedom. I mentioned an emergency fund in a recent episode. If you've got a chunk of money to cope with what life has to throw at you, it means you're not going into debt to pay for new boilers, new tyres, new cars which means you're buying freedom in the form of staying out of debt. You're avoiding going into debt slavery, where the reward for your work and efforts are going to someone else rather than to you. For many people, this level of freedom alone is life-changing. I was a teacher for 14 years, but towards the end, I started to get disillusioned. Disillusioned with the education system in general, how schools are serving our children, and how they are cramming everybody into an academic framework and forcing everybody to work within that academic framework. I wanted to do something else. I wanted to provide a different kind of education for people, one they could value outside of the classroom. I wanted to teach people about the importance of looking after your finances, about the importance of looking after your body and your health, about the importance of taking care of yourself from a mental health point of view and having good relationships. And I want to teach people the value of spiritual health. In an ideal world, a school could do all that. And there are many good schools and many wonderful, dedicated, hard-working members of staff that are trying their best within the system to do all of these things. But I found that I just couldn't do it. When Ofsted or Estin came in, they wanted to see the academic results first and foremost. When the parents look at a school, they want to know how are the academics, what are the exam results like, what are the A-stars to see like at GCSE, what are the A-level results like. They wanted to know are academic results improving or getting worse. I think very highly of formal education and I think that academics has got an incredible place in our lives but I do think that the education system lets down many of its students. And I wanted to offer more by doing something else. I quit my job to have more freedom in my life. Freedom to pursue the things that I wanted to pursue, freedom to work with who I want to work with, and do it when I want to do it. And I used money to buy that freedom. One of the reasons that it wasn't quite so scary quitting my job is because I had used my money that I had earned from working, a job, in order to buy something that would pay me money without my direct involvement. I used my money to buy rental property, and since quitting my job, more rental property. So there was some level of financial freedom, even if it didn't mean I could completely quit and do nothing. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. Like I've said before, Every pound you use to buy your freedom is a pound well spent. You don't have to wait until you're completely financially independent before you start making changes in your life to live a life that you're more excited about. This is one of my biggest issues with the financial independence movement. They focus so much on this one number, your phi number. That when you reach this number, once you've saved enough money, once you've got a big enough pot, then you can live on forever, then, then you can quit your job and start living a life that you want to live. But financial independence isn't the number. It's a scale. If I have a financial independence number of £1 million, which will pay me £40,000 per year in income, or if I have £900,000, which pays me an income of £36,000 per year, Does that mean that with one I'm free and the other I'm not? No, it's levels and degrees of freedom. Not like degrees of freedom in a statistical test. It's a little joke for you mathematicians. If you have passive income of £1,000 per year, then that's £1,000 a year worth of freedom. If you have passive income of £10,000 per year, then that's £10,000 worth of freedom. What would it mean to you to have that £10,000 worth of income that you weren't still working for? Could you go part-time at work? Could you take a lower-paying job? Could you do something? Could you make some kind of change that would make your life better? It doesn't mean that just because I don't have passive income of £60,000 per year that I'm a failure. It means that I'm on a journey. Not many people suddenly wake up millionaires. But if you put the right systems in place, have the right work ethic, and are willing to make sacrifices along the way, then this is absolutely possible, even for somebody on minimum wage. You may look at the cost and think, that's too great for me. Fair enough. You may decide that the sacrifices aren't worth it. That's okay. But just getting started on the journey can bring increasing levels of freedom to do the things that you want to do with the people that you want to do them with. I'm not at a stage where I can live entirely off my investments, but I can certainly say that I am happier, more fulfilled, more excited when I get up in the morning making podcasts for you guys and working closer with individuals to help them design the lives that they want to live than I was working at my previous job. That has come from putting the gap to work. If you don't have a gap between your income and expenses, then I'd encourage you to go back and listen to the previous episode. The electricians that I mentioned in episode two had started to grasp this idea of buying freedom. These were electricians that worked through the winter to earn enough money so that they could spend six months in the summer just surfing, camping, bumming around, living a life that they loved... I say this started to grasp this idea of buying freedom because it's still relatively short-term thinking. They would surf until the money ran out and then they had to go back to work. If you can take this idea of working for a time, not working for a time, using the time that you work to buy freedom to do the things you want to do in the short term, then that's great. But I want to encourage you to think, how can you make this work over the long term? What are the things that you need to use your money for in order to have this freedom? Not just for six months, but for longer. Using your money to buy freedom doesn't have to look like quitting your job. Lots of people don't like their jobs, and so quitting their jobs is the number one thing that they can do to make their lives better. If they have the financial means to do that, that's absolutely great. But some people love their jobs. If you are one of the fortunate people who enjoy their jobs, enjoy their work, then there is a lot to be said for sticking with that. But I'm sure even if you love your job, there are things about it that you don't like. Or there are things that you don't like to do outside of work. Some people don't like cooking. You can use your money to buy freedom from cooking. You could go out for dinner more or... Or take the stress out of cooking and planning by ordering something like HelloFresh. Not a sponsor of the show, but if you want to sponsor the show, just uh, get in touch. Or even hiring a full-time chef to cook for you. Some people hate cleaning. You can use your money to buy freedom by getting a cleaner. Now, instead of spending Saturday morning cleaning the house, You can take the kids to the beach, enjoy cooking breakfast over an open fire with the sound of the sea in the background, because you use your money to buy back your time. I really want you to think short-term about using your money to buy back your time. Use your money to buy freedom from the things that you don't like doing. If you don't like doing your tax return, you can use your money to buy the services of an accountant but I really, really want to encourage you to think long-term about using your money to buy freedom. Having control over your time is a fantastic thing. Using money in the right way can enable this. I'm not saying that the freedom you should be seeking is to not work. Many people across the internet are pushing that as an ideal lifestyle. Buy my course for 997, price ends in a seven, and you can be living on a beach in Thailand fully financially independent, in four weeks. Apart from the fact that this is clearly nonsense. I don't see not working and not being productive and creative as being where I want to end up. I want to be working and enjoying my relationship with God until I can't physically do it anymore. I want to still be providing value and teaching people and learning when I'm 102. Work has value. Work has a higher purpose. The freedom to choose the work that you want to do is one of the highest forms of freedom I can think of. I very much appreciate your time and attention and I hope I've provided some value and food for thought. Hit me up on Instagram, David Morse, or Life to the Full Podcast. Let me know what you're doing to buy freedom. If you're enjoying yourself listening to my encouragements to you, then please tell a friend or even send them a link to the show. And if you have time as well, you can leave me a little review on your podcast app of choice. Coming up soon on the show, I have an exciting interview with Joshua from the Art of Money Saving podcast. So stay tuned for that. Till next time, go and buy freedom. Peace out.